Hello, founders. Welcome to the Gab Lab. This is a show that is designed to bring you financial intelligence that will blow your mind, but it will also help you build your bottom line. Today's episode is championed by our friends at Community Futures Saskatchewan, with over 13 offices across the province to help you build your business and nail your numbers. I'm your show host, Tony Woods Richardson, and today I am joined by Kersha Campbell. She's president of the Cash Lab. She is also known as the Cash Flow Maven. Welcome, Kersha. It's great to have you on the show. And thank you for having me, Tanya. And thanks for oh. all the futurepreneurs, community futurepreneurs are doing to support business owners, especially at this time. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I know we we actually met probably was it six months ago, maybe even longer than that. It's been a blur, but doing oh, a- I first at an event for Alberta Women's. You were Alberta Women's Entrepreneurs, you were speaking there. So we connected there, then we reconnected last year again. Yes, yeah. yes, the future of finance. So yeah. we've been in each other's lives for a while now. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're able to join us on the show here today. Um, If you are just tuning in, you'll be interested to know that today's show, if you haven't already guessed it, is all about cash flow. And that's what Kirsch is doing here today to help us talk about cash flow and more specifically, how you can control it through COVID. There's been a lot of uncertainty out there, a lot of ups and downs. And so, Kirsch, I was hoping that today we could break out this topic of cash flow into three three segments. I was thinking that maybe first we could take a look at really just clarifying what it is, because I I know a lot of founders out there might get confused. They might not be confused, but assumptions have gotten me in trouble before. So making sure that we understand what cash flow is. And then in the second segment, maybe we could take a look at some of the things to watch for or how to know if you're in trouble or if you're, if you're safe. And then in the third segment, we could look at potential solutions or remedies to um, creating some consistency or stability in cash flow. Does that sound okay with you? That sounds great. Yeah, that should work for us. Sure. Awesome. All right. So let's just dig right into it. So if we start looking at cash flow, I'm curious to know how you define it. How do you define cash flow? Cash flow is the lifeblood of your business. So we need oxygen as humans to survive. Your business needs cash flow. Cash flow is, uh, in a simply put way, it's just the movement of monies coming into your business, monies leaving your business. So actual cash, banknotes, coins, whatever form you look at it at, the movement of monies coming in and monies leaving your business. If there is money, if there's more monies leaving your business than coming in, there's a problem. If there's money, more monies coming in and less leaving, then depending on that ratio, you'll get into a little bit more than you might be okay. But simply put, just the flow of monies throughout your business, in and out, that's cash flow. Okay, flow of money in and out. Yes. And I think it's important what you, you know, you you mentioned there, just the whole concept about money, banks, bank notes, cash. I know that in the lending world, we don't consider it money accessed until it is in the bank account, right? So I can imagine there's a lot of business owners out there right now that, that use um, uh, merchants, credit cards, and sometimes there's a hold on that cash as well, right? It's not always immediately right into the bank account. So into the bank account is key. Money into the bank account is key. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit more. When cash flow is a huge topic, 
So yes, mm-hmm. the money is coming in, but there's another layer to the definition where it's your access to money. So it might be, okay, you have access to a loan, like credit. In some worlds, depending on what's happening, that's also considered a part of your cash flow as well. Okay. Well, and so that does bring up an interesting topic because I know that, uh, and yeah, th- this is going to be fascinating because it could get splintered into a number of different areas. But I know when I'm helping a client look and evaluate at the health of their business, mm-hmm. I don't always, we take into account any loans or subsidies or COVID benefits that they might have received because that is access to cash. But when we're looking at the health of the operations, I usually leave that portion out because it's not indicative of the business overall uh, as to the health of the operations and the the viability of the the programs or the services. So I think there's there's definitely different layers and complexity to this conversation. There are definitely different layers and complexity. And again, it's like you're you'll be assessing a vehicle if you want to purchase that vehicle, right? They're going to be different things to use to examine if you want this vehicle or not. So the same way there are different sets up to examine how your business does operate, the strength of your business, the health of your business as well. So, yeah. Okay. So let's, you, you just touched upon health. So when we're looking at cash flow, how do you determine if a business is healthy based on cash flow? What are we looking for specifically? So there, there are several factors we do look at, at. One, we look at how much cash flow you have in your business, in your bank account, compared to your sales. That's one. And how many months of that do you have? That's another thing. We also look at liquidity. That is, if you had to pay all your short-term obligations, your short-term debts tomorrow, would you be able to do that? We, you know, there, so there are lots of different ways to examine how healthy your business is in relation to cash flow. Uh, Kershaw, it's it's interesting that you're talking about liquidity right now because several episodes back, we had uh, Neil Jones in from BDO who was talking a lot about um, liquidity ratios. And I know we're getting into measuring here, but the, the two ratios that he spoke about were the current ratio, mm-hmm. which is where we take all of our short-term assets, right? And our short-term liabilities. Yes. Uh-huh. And we're looking to make sure that we have enough assets to be able to cover those liabilities. But then what was interesting is he talked about the quick ratio, where we actually remove the inventory from our assets because we might not be able to turn that into quick cash to cover off the liability. And then that gives us a better sense of our ability or to your term liquidity to manage that, that short-term debt that we've got on the books to, to just that, kind of keep us is, afloat. Yeah, and definitely that is correct. I usually go a step deeper with my clients though. So okay. we are looking at that. However, I also take it a step further. What is the amount of cash you have in your bank account compared to your sales? Because a hundred thousand, I'm, I'm just going to use some random figures here. A hundred thousand in the bank for a company that has, let's say, um, a million dollar in sales, that might look reasonable. But if you have 10 million in sales and all you have in your bank account is a hundred thousand, that's a red flag for me. That's a red flag because based on your operations, that 100,000 is not going to support you for the next 60 or 90 days. So I do dive Mm -hmm. a bit deeper when it comes to my clients and assessing, 
you know, how the, their strength in regards to the cash they have in their bank account and for how long as well, because you might, you know, the, um, there have been situations where, oh, you have 100000 and in the bank, you're feeling happy and comfortable. But when we dive into the forecast, the budget, we realize that this 100000 can only last you for a month if you don't get some other cash in. And again, that's another red flag. So again, it's diving as deep as we can into what your cash flow balance is, what it means in relation to your operation, your business overall, because each okay. business is so different. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it reminds me a little bit of, um, and I know cash flow is, is somewhat recognized as a different term, but what you're defining or describing right here, it reminds me a little of um, our personal emergency account or a personal savings net, right? Enough that's set aside to make sure we can weather emergencies, right? Or economic downturns. I'm going to ask you this question, but I suspect I know the answer. <laughs> and it's going to be how the, the question is, how many months of capital would you recommend we have set aside so that we can take care of those operating expenses? A good mix is at least three to six months and especially okay. to nine months. So that's a good buffer because it's not only if you have an emergency, it's your day-to-day -day expenses, your operations, paying your team, if you have contractors, purchasing supplies, mm -hmm. you know, just your daily operations of the business, not even getting into, you know, funding your debt and all that, if you do have debt as a part of your business structure as well. So, you know, it's getting into what are your operational needs and we'll get into it a little bit more because sometimes you can't meet your payroll that's the issue that's a red flag there right but we'll get into a little bit more yeah. talk for sure but i know that is a huge issue for many business owners especially through covid right there's a lot i know for myself personally i was putting on payroll on credit cards Kershaw, if you can believe it, many years back, almost a decade back, that was one of my big flags. But I know we will cover off on flags here in a bit. Um, okay, before we move on, because I'm, I'm excited to move on. I think you're probably pretty excited to move on too, in terms of what to look for. We're jumping into solutions. But many business owners, to clarify cash flow statements, as they pertain to all of our financial statements, can you just clarify, you know, we've got the balance sheet, right? We've got our income statement, then we have cash flow. maybe just a, a quick tutorial for those listening in on the differences between the, the three and the, I guess, again, the relevance of the cash flow statement compared to the other ones. Sure. So I like to look at the income statement or the profit and loss as like a movie. So it's like it's showing you over the course of six months, 12 months, what has happened over the business? How many sales did you have? What were your expenses? So it's over that period of time, that is your profit and loss. So it's saying the top level, your sales, your revenue, less your expenses, your costs, the bottom number is gonna be what your profit is. And we'll take it a step further, at profit after taxes as well. Then we also dive into the balance sheet. I look at that as a still picture. So at this point in time, today at, let's say two o'clock, <laughs> what is your position as a business? What is it that you own? And what is it that you owe to others? So that net position will tell you, do you owe persons more than you own or vice versa? So that's the balance sheet. It's a very, very important report. It's probably 
I'm not, well, it, it's very, very, very significant because it speaks to the strength of the business. We, we get a lot of figures and analysis pulling from that balance sheet. The cash flow statement, what that is, it's showing you how did you spend your cash over the last 12 months, right? Did you spend this amount on, on, on um, purchasing supplies? Did you spend this amount on investing in equipment and all that? However, I'll quickly add that um, the cash flow statement that a lot of persons think about, that is not going to tell you about the future, right? So mm-hmm. that is saying in the past, over the last 12 months, that's how we spent our cash. However, what is more important than the past forecast, which is what I use with my clients, looking forward for the next month or two, are we going to need cash? Are we going to be in a bank overdraft? Do we have enough monies to cover the needs of our business and so much more? So that's a class. (laughs) Beautiful. I love that analogy to the movies. I know that I oftentimes will think of like a, a balance sheet as the net worth statement, right? I think of an income statement almost as like your, your, your tax return, like high level, here's what you made, here's what you can, yeah. you know, here's what you spent. But your cash flow, I think you, the cash flow statement, you, you struck upon something that is, um, is, is pretty critical. There's the past, right? And then there is the forecast. I like to think of it like a budget, like, you know, at home, exactly. your personal budget is a budget for your business. Yes. But you mentioned some terms. And I know oftentimes founders will ask me, you know, what are the differences? So a forecast, a pro forma, um, a, a, a forecast, a pro forma projected cash mm-hmm. flow, right? Those are all future based. Yes, future. Well, I'll quit. the forecast, usually it's a mix of what you budgeted, what you're expecting, plus the actual. So it's a, there's a little difference with the forecast. It's mixing, okay. okay, what has actually happened so far with what I'm projecting to happen. So it's a mix there with the forecast. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a mix. The forecast is a mix. Yes. Okay. Fascinating. All right. And tell me this. I have not yet, and I'm sure it's out there, but I have not yet come across software that does an intuitive job of forecasting our cash flow um, based on what we need from a net profit perspective. It's always just saying, here's historically what you looked like. Let's just add 10 or 15% onto top line sales and maybe make some adjustments on expenses. But then we end up, many businesses end up in that same problem of still just operating at a break even or a, a, a deficit position. Have you come across any software that does I'm actually in negotiation with a partnership um, situation now to start using that with my clients, that, that software to do that. I use Excel now. That's what I used to do my cash flow forecast for my clients. But I'm working with a company now to start having it done electronically as okay. software. So it's, yeah, that, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It is exciting because I think that's one of the... Um, that's one of the, the the most dangerous positions I think a lot of business owners get themselves into is just basing a plan based on what they did historically and knowing that many business owners historically weren't doing so great on a, a bottom line perspective that they it perpetuates the problem year over year. Okay, well, I think that is, that's brilliant. I think we've, is there anything that we're missing from a clarifying what the cash flow is and how? I would also add that, 
as business owners, it is important that you understand that profit is not equal to cash flow. I get that asked a lot about my, from my clients. I made this profit. I don't see it in my bank account. What's wrong? And then we get into that. You know, it's fun to explain to them. So your profits are not the same as your cash flow. Profits are important. However, the ultimate measure, what you need in your business, you're going to need your cash flow. You need your cash to pay your bills, to pay yourself, to purchase supplies. So because of um, how it's calculated from the accounting standards and other, you know, details behind the scenes, profit is a different way of calculating, you know, the performance of your business. So profit is your sales, that's your expenses, your costs, that's your profit. Cash flow is what's actually going to be in your bank account. So because of timing differences and other estimations, other non-cash flow flows that do impact your profits, they it doesn't translate into cash. So bear that in mind. So a lot of times okay. as business owners, I see it where okay, only looking at the top line, my revenue, I need to get that next project in that next sale. That's good. Mm-hmm. You need to take it a step further. Is it a profitable sale? That's even taking it a step further. However, will this transaction lead me to having cash in my bank account? So that's even taking it to the height of that, anal- that analysis as well. So I do want to put that out there that profits are not the same as cash flow. Okay, brilliant. I think that's a great place that we can pick up too in the next segment. Like that's our perfect segue in, right? Because we do talk about impact on the bottom line. Okay, Um, so thank you so much, Kirsha. That is our first part of really understanding how to better control cash flow. Firstly, getting aware of what cash flow is. Uh, Please join us. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but join us back here for part two where we start to understand the impact of cash flow on our bottom line performance. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, do I dare I say, but how to be able to to measure it and understand if we're headed in the right direction or the wrong direction as it pertains to cash flow. So thanks for joining us. Um, as always, please feel free to download the free tools and templates and playbooks that are available with this episode. We're going to catch uh, a quick uh, uh, sip of water here and we're going to see you back here for part two of how to control your cash flow through COVID. We'll see you here in a minute. Bye for now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, founders. Welcome back, Kersha. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) We're back. We had our sip of water, and we're going to just dive right into it. This episode is all about how to um, creative ways to controlling our cash flow through COVID. Part two of this episode is understanding a little bit better about cash flow and its impact on the bottom line. And Kersha, you were just sharing with us that cash flow is not profit. There's a distinction between the two. And, you know, quite honestly, as I was preparing for this episode, I am one of those people that oftentimes think of cash flow as the money that's coming in, right? It's like, where are those top line dollars coming in? How are they coming in? When are they coming in? Because it's very different to be selling something one day, but it might take a couple of days, you know, sometimes a couple of months, if you're in oil and gas to actually get that money in. So you're right, my mind typically goes to when is the revenue going to be received, and then into the bank account. 
but now you're introducing this concept of actually understanding the cost of goods, when the cost of goods are due, when all of those expenses are due. And then when we start to subtract those, those expenses from it, then we're left with a very different number that actually ends up in our bank account. So do you want to pick up on that and just kind of share with us um, some ideas or maybe some of the things that you see oftentimes that get business owners in trouble in terms of versus the top line and the bottom line and where they get led astray? Okay, one of the first things, and I'll, I'll, we have to start with it, is taxation. So taxation is one of the biggest expenses for any business. However, business owners, you are not planning for taxes. You're waiting until it's almost the deadline. You take your box of receipts, or if you have a financial an accounting software and say, this is my situation, that's not a tax plan. So you are not exploring enough ways to save on taxes. So after your profits, that's that. the next step is is taxes. So you need to now take that step back to find out how is it that I can save on taxes? What are the deductions, the credits, right? What are those ways in which I can minimize, and we're talking legally, of course, minimize legally how we, how I can pay less taxes based on my personal situation, my business structure, what is happening in the business environment, the tax regulation, all that in the mix. So that is one of the ways in which I do see persons, business owners paying out more monies than they need to, more mm -hmm. cash leaving your business than you need than it needs to be leaving because you're not planning for taxes. You don't have a plan to save on taxes. That is one way in which I do see you paying out more than you need to. Another way is where it all starts with having a good set of books. So they're not there's chaos in your business. So you don't have a proper chart of accounts, which is where we classify the transactions of your business uniquely to your business. So you have wrong categorization, missing transactions, incomplete transactions, all that impact the taxes that you pay. So for example, if you have a dollar of, of, of a transactions that's, that's not in your business and expense, that can cost you 50 cents more in taxes, depending on your tax bracket, your tax rate and all that, of course. So these are some of the ways in which you are spending more than you need to. So you need to understand that, yes, it's important to focus on the top line. However, let's not stop there. Keep your eyes on all the moving parts in your business. Have that support to have it done. And you're gonna see that you're gonna have more cash flowing in your business when you do keep your eyes on these different areas for sure. So on that note, then, um, my head is going into three different directions right now. <laughs> it is it's thinking about the role of the bookkeeper whose job it is to enter in the data. Yes. Thinking of the role of the accountant whose whose job is ideally to mitigate the taxes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so getting a handle on them. I know many business owners don't even know what questions to ask bookkeepers they, they don't even know if their books are being set up properly i'm just going to call it like i see it in most cases don't know that, right? what advice would you have for these entrepreneurs these founders that are really just trying to take the first step in getting themselves better organized so let's let's take a step back and remember that accounting is a broad topic a broad role okay. in your business so you have the bookkeeper who's going to be responsible for and 
as I'm elaborating, there's sometimes overlap. You might have one person doing everything. You might have separation right. of functions. But the bookkeeper, that's the first main type of accountant. That's going to be where that person is entering your transactions, right? They're getting your receipts in, your invoices in. They should be doing a bank reconciliation on at least a monthly basis for you as well. You also have another role, which is the a CFO type role. They are checking what the bookkeeper has done. They're helping to ensure you have enough cash in your business, managing your cash. They're helping you to support you with setting up that tax plan. They're helping to say, okay, you're at the wrong price point here. That sale is not profitable. You need to have more cash on hand. They're getting into, I call it behind the scenes, looking beyond the numbers in your business. Mm -hmm. And then you do have the accountant or the tax expert. And what they do, they are focusing on preparing your year-end financial reports if you need to get it for the bank or for whatever reason, and also filing your tax returns. So a lot of times there's a misunderstanding and a mis-expectation. Uh, so you think that, okay, your accountant is going to, and again, it depends on the type of accountant you have working with, right? You're thinking they're going to help me with cash management. They're not going to do that. And as a business owner on that side, it's lack of education and from the accountant side, they probably saying, okay, I, you might have that covered already. It all depends. So these are the different eyes that you need on your business. Just like you go to a general practitioner as a doctor, but if you have a heart condition, you're going to go to a specialist, right? A heart specialist. Yeah. Yeah. You need these different sets of eyes on your business. And it is best that they're different persons because one can check the other, you know, keeping separation of functions. And if, what, if the bookkeeper makes a mistake, the CFO can catch it, or the CFO is, of course, working with the tax expert, the accountant for your year. And so you do need different eyes on your business for sure. Okay. So two questions there. The, the objective with cash flow, if we go back to the first phase, the objective is that we're looking to have six to nine months, roughly. Yes. With the numbers that you gave me of cash flow that's available to us. So cash sitting on hand whether we call it retained earnings or cash in the account that will help us with the expenses based yeah. on the sales the, to cover the expenses based on the sales that we have projected coming in and any sort of economic downturn that we have to weather, right? Lord forbid another third lockdown or whatever that might look like. So we're looking for six to nine months. You're bringing up um, the CFO. And I know that many founders, especially if they're small business, they don't necessarily have a CFO. That might be their job as they're trying to do everything else in the business, but there are CFOs for hire, right? And maybe Krisha, this is a, a, a piece of what you do where yes, you don't need to have someone full-time in the business that's managing this for you. Mm -hmm. What would be your recommendation for a small business? Is this someone that does look at things on a monthly basis or is it quarterly that will look behind the, beyond the numbers to, to help you better understand what the numbers are telling you, what your cash flow position looks like? And, and definitely month, at least monthly. And again, it depends on your business. There are situations where your business is in, is in crisis. You need a, a okay. daily review. You need daily, what's my cash position? What's my profits? What's, you need that daily eyes on. So again, it depends on where your business is at. So definitely at least having monthly eyes on your business. And this should, it doesn't matter the stage you're at, you need to have that person on hand. You can, it can be on 
you know, as needed basis, at least a month you're reviewing your numbers at least. And then as other ad hoc projects come up or situations, they can dive in and support you there. But you need to have at least a monthly review of what's happening in your business because without doing that, you are operating, you know, you're being guided, you know, blindly. And and yeah. that's really, a, a, that's really a, a, a tough situation to be yeah. in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At cost to your business. And I know that I know there's a lot of founders that are either watching this or listening to this that have been avoiding their numbers because they're afraid of what their numbers are going to tell them. But, you know, the, ignorance is not the answer here. Right? No, 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 no. And your no. business is ultimately your responsibility. And you've probably yes. heard the term, oh, this company, we, we've seen companies going bankrupt and yeah. here, oh, they went bankrupt overnight. It's never overnight. There are signs that are ignored or not understood. So the number one reason your business is going to fail is not looking at your numbers, not paying attention to your cash flow. And I think it's definitely education. That's why I'm so passionate about it because I've been in the corporate side and I've, I've seen the strategies we need to make multi-million dollar corporations keep growing and growing, right? So in the same way, you need to realize that it's not always about the sale. You need the sale, yes, but if the sale is not profitable, if it's not leading to cash in your bank account, then it doesn't make sense. And yes, I know there are times some business you're strapped for cash, I'll just take the sale in, but that should not be an ongoing way of operating your business. And that's why you need that support to help you to, you know, unpuzzle other. Yes. Yeah. Piece it together. So, um, so I'd like to, um, I just, I want to cover off one thing before we actually jump into what are some of the common flags that you see in businesses? But I'm coming back to the very beginning of this segment where you had talked about taxes and you had talked about profit. And I'm curious for you for, for you to kind of weigh in on this. One of the things that I, I, I advocate for when, when I'm, I'm working with a business owner is to take the taxes every month. I know that in forecasts, we plan for them. And unfortunately, it's these forecasts, right? We do once a year, we sit down if we do them. And we build this beautiful sheet or it's because we're looking for money and we do a forecast, but not very often do I see a business owner that sits down at the beginning of the year and puts all their numbers together. But one of the things that they do do is they typically forecast for taxes and they, you know, they find a way to get this beautiful net profit at the end of the year. What is, what are your thoughts on actually every month when that cash comes in to set aside the taxes and to actually set aside the profit? Put it in a different account. You can always draw from it if you need it. But if you had planned to have, a, a, you know, a 3.5% net profit that year or that month, excuse me, just setting that aside, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I know that that's a profit first method. A lot of businesses subscribe that. That's fine. Nothing is wrong with that. However, really putting it aside in, your, in the different bank accounts, that's just saying the money is there. But in actuality, in terms of the analysis, is it really 3.5%? And also remember, when you're putting aside monies for taxes, it's, that's just a part of the picture. You might have gotten your estimated tax installments from the CRA, you're doing that. However, that's just a part of tax planning. Periodically through the year, the relationship I have with my clients, 
I'm going to buy this. They make, they call me, I'm going to buy this. Should I wait until next year? Should I pay this dividend mm -hmm. now or should I wait? We have that relationship because these things impact your, your taxes. If you're making certain purchases in this year or the next year, that's mm -hmm. going to impact your taxes. So it's diving deeper. At times you look at what's your profit looking like for the year. Do we need to implement any new strategies. These are some of the things we talk about. So that is why it is so important to always have your eyes on the number. So yes, putting funds aside in different bank accounts, that's good. And you know, that's, that, that's good, but it's getting even deeper than that. Not enough. You might be saying, okay, I have this money's retained in my business. Retained earnings is different from your cash flow as well. So mm -hmm. it's getting all the different pieces together okay. and yeah, looking at it holistically for good. sure. Okay. It's a, it's a good start, but it's not enough is what I'm, yes. is what I'm hearing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So what, what have you been seeing impacting cash flow? What are some of the flags? What do we need to watch for? So definitely a few things you need to look for is one look, review, like let's say for the last six months of your business, last past six months, have you had to constantly be putting cash in as the owner shares? Have you also had to say, okay, I need to increase my line of credit. I need to get mm -hmm. new credit cards. I need to get a loan. Have you had to be putting money in your business and why, right? If it's a, you're probably expanding and you needed that buffer for capital expansion, you know, equipment, or you're going to have a new building. That's a different case. That's a deeper analysis, of course, but, if, for example, you constantly have to put monies in to meet payroll, to meet your rent, to meet your lease for just day-to-day -day operations, that's a red flag. And I'm not talking about a one-off situation. I'm talking about where it's ongoing. It's becoming the norm where, you know, I've seen situations where for years that's happening and that's a huge red flag, right? So that's something to look out for as a business owner, entrepreneur, the CEO. The other thing is, are you constantly in a bank overdraft, right? Is it a case where every month, you know, you're getting into bank overdraft? If it's a constant bank overdraft as well, that again is another red flag to look out for. Another thing too is, what is your accounts receivable? The persons who owe you, what is that looking like? Is it that they're owing you extended periods? You're not sure, do you have no collection strategy? That again is another red flag to look out for in your business. And you might be saying, okay, my sales are cash sales. However, you know, you might be going to a third party provider, you know, credit card processor, merchant processor, are those monies hitting your business? So your financial systems and flows processes in your business will also determine if there's a red flag there when it comes to cash flow as well and operations. Okay. Um, great things to watch for. When these red flags come up, uh, where should they turn? Who's, who, where should they find help? Because it, it's not necessarily the bank keeper, or, or sorry, bookkeeper, right? I'm thinking banks, but it's not necessarily the bookkeeper. It's not necessarily the accountant. Is this where they do a, a search for CFOs? Yes, that, definitely. So okay. definitely, yes. So definitely, because I have situations where a company, they were not having a cash flow problem. It wasn't, they had monies in the bank. However, when we connected, we realized that 
you had monies in the bank. However, their underlying problem, you had monies, but it would not last you for the next three months. So they had persons owing them too long. There was no flow, no systems flowing. Yes. So yes. again, it depends on what's happening in your business. So if you are experiencing these things or you've never had someone give a second set of eyes on your books, then you need to reach out. It should be an ongoing process in your business for sure. So that depending on what's happening, you know, okay, what's the next step? What's the next strategy? Okay. Um, can I share with you a couple of things that I always see from clients sure. and you tell me if you see them too. I have to say from the top line, one of the biggest things when cash flow is impacted, I see them not breaking out their product streams so they don't know what product is actually selling it's just this big bucket called sales yeah and they're like I, I don't know if it's a b or c I, you know life's been too busy i can't figure it out so yes. i often see that yes. um and to your point too just to to elaborate on it the collections piece right sometimes sitting over 90 days or 120 and i know that you know with with a resource-based business you're in Alberta, and you must see this oftentimes with oil and gas, right? 120 days to wait to get paid. Yes. 120. That's crazy. That's four months. Exactly. That must just drive small business right into the ground. Mm -hmm. Really. And, and issues like those, yeah, you have to now go back to the original source. What is the contract saying? Is it that you need to take it from the contract perspective? Let's review this contract. What are your systems in place? And that's getting into solutions to yes. or yeah. managing accounts receivable and all that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then what I often try to see in cost of goods, this is, and I know you don't, I know you work with many construction-based businesses and larger businesses, but from a, a sole proprietorship perspective, what I often see is the sole proprietor who is not taking into account their labor when they go to price, right? So they're offering, for example, massage services, and they're doing it all themselves. But then it, it's, you know, they're charging what they think the industry standard is, but they forget about all of their operating expenses that they need to cover as well. And then they're the ones that get paid at the very end of everything else getting paid, and they're taking home a, a meager salary, which is obviously impacting cash flow. And to taxes, they forget to pay for taxes for themselves. So then they're left with a big cash tax bill at the yeah. end of the year. Do you see that oftentimes too? I, I see that. And oftentimes it goes back to that education piece because a lot of business owners, they're great at their skill set, they're experts, they bring such value to our economy, our province, our country at large and the world too. However, not knowing the, how they impact each other, the different moving parts in your business. The wrong price can make or break your business. Sometimes you're like, you know, business A is charging that price. I don't want to go too high. I don't want to go too lower. However, you have to look at my business. This is me. My service is what I bring to the table. I can go higher. I can go lower. Also, are you thinking about all the expenses, the costs that are related to, you know, producing this service, offering this uh, this product for sale, that's another thing to look at because sometimes they are missing parts. You forgot, okay, I didn't think about this, that. And then sometimes when it's the sole proprietor, the smaller businesses, you don't have that separation with the business and the personal. So it's all intertwined. So you're not able to easily demarcate what is your business doing. Is oh. your profitable because there's that overlap. And yeah, so I do see it. Yeah. Kersha, you're so, so right. It's, it's, 
um, they, like you said, they're just operating blindly, right? They're not necessarily doing the math. They are taking it way too personal, um, you know, with respect to getting this business up and going and not calculating all of the numbers. Uh, I think that's really important. I know that, you know, when, when business owners are losing money on the bottom line, it is typically from what I've seen, it's because their pricing strategy is off because they haven't factored in all those small little expenses that you're speaking of into that pricing strategy. So please, please, please do the math, get that figured out, and that will help with your cash flow. All right, Kersha, let's leave part two there. You've given us um, so much to think about here. My, my head is spinning. So I imagine the founders are like, okay, there's a lot there. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is, as primary takeaways from this is the first thing is just to catch the flags. Right. It's just if you feel like any of these things that Krisha has been talking talking about in terms of accessing your line of credit or if you're constantly in overdraft or if you're using your credit cards right now, this is where you reach out for help. You can actually reach out to Krisha. Her contact information is going to be down below. And Krisha, I'm putting you on the spot, but I would imagine if you're not in a position to help them, you can certainly let them know where to turn next. Yes, for sure. Yeah, definitely okay. lead them in the right direction for sure. All right. Thank you for watching this uh, this segment of um, Creative Ways to Control Your Cash Flow Through COVID. We're going to come back for our final segment, which is all about solutions and different ideas that will help you better uh, navigate and secure that cash flow um, through these uh, unprecedented times. Thanks, Kersha. We'll see you back here for part three. Go grab a cup of coffee or a glass of water, and uh, we'll see you back here shortly. Bye for now. founders and welcome back to our final segment part three of creative ways to control your cash flow through COVID. Our nail the number pro here today joining us is Krisha Campbell. She's the president of the cash lab. Welcome back Krisha. Thanks for being here. Okay so many valuable pieces of information uh, tips and tools that you've given us along the way but this segment is actually all about the solutions. I'm sure this is the segment that everyone's been waiting for. So Let's just take it away. Where where do we start? Where can we start to uh, to to build solutions and fixes for cash? Flow? One of the first places to start is having that assessment of where your business is at. So number one, ensure that your bookkeeping gets up to date, your transactions are current. Get that up to date. That's the first step for any strategy, any way forward. So that's the first thing to get done. Ensure also that on an ongoing basis, at least monthly, you have a bank reconciliation being done in your business, whether by you, your bookkeeper, whoever. What that does is that cross-checks what's happening in your real-life bank account to what's happening with your internal record. So it's going to help you to catch quickly errors and fraud as well. So you want to be on top of that bank reconciliation process quickly. Another thing is having monthly reviews in your business. Were you profitable? Why were you not profitable? Getting into preparing your budgets, having your budgets prepared. You know, why are we not on track? What's different? 
should we keep doing this strategy? Should we keep not? Should we discontinue this type of service, this product? Getting into all those areas in your business. Also, definitely start using cash flow forecasts in your business. That helps you big time. It's going to help you to decide and know quickly, am I, in a, am I going to be in the red, in a bank overdraft in the next month or two and in knowing that in advance you're going to know okay i need to change strategy i need to probably stagger certain payments because that cash flow forecast captures your actual cash flow moving in and out of your business over the next six months month two months however you do it when it comes to accounts receivable it depends on where you are at Number one, if you have, if you realize a situation where you're owed a very long time, there are different strategies to handle that. The first thing is, if it's a case where you need the money right now, like yesterday, you can do what's called factoring. That is where you contact a third party. There are a lot of companies that do that and they'll say, okay, I will purchase this accounts receivable from you. Of course, they're going to pay you less uh, fee. You get that money right up front in your business, and then they are now legally responsible to follow up with that debtor. So if you're strapped for cash, that's one way you can look at, I need to get that monies, those monies in my business right away. If you're again strapped, go ahead, Tanya. Sorry, I was just going to ask then. So factoring, are, they're charging you, is it, and maybe it's different in every case. Is it a flat fee or is it a position, is it a, is it a um, percentage of the, outstanding amount that you're looking Usually to collect it's a on. percentage okay it's a percentage yeah okay thank you Sorry another thing, yeah another thing if you need cash right away i call it being your your own banker so you look within your business is there something you can sell sometimes you have equipment or you have certain materials that to be honest you're not really using it fast enough so if there's an opportunity to sell, sell, get those monies in. And then if you need to use it later, you rebuy it or lease. Those are options to get cash coming in right away. If it's a case where your cash flow problem might not be some, might just be a short term thing, you can say, okay, I can put these expenses on my credit card. I get on average, most credit cards are like 30 days to pay. And then you can spend and you have a 30-day buffer to pay. So that's another strategy to use, of course. Explore discounts. A lot of times, invoices come into your office. You're just going ahead and paying. You're not looking. Did they give me 30 days or 60 days? Is there a discount if I pay early, pay late? Get in tune with what's happening. Build that relationship with your supplier also. One of the forecasts for 2021 with all that's happened with COVID is that to be honest, you're going to have situations where your accounts receivable are going to be high and high because some persons just cannot pay. What, where does that leave your business? What that means for your business is you have to know deep near relationship with your suppliers. You need to also explore other suppliers too, but you also need to say to your supplier, have a conversation. How are you standing? Are you on track to pay? Are you not? You know, how about if we explore you paying apart versus you know, everything wants to get into that conversation, that dialogue, because getting some monies in on a regular basis is going to be better than getting no monies in. And at least, you know, upfront, this is all I'm getting from this person. I need to think of other strategies to keep cash flowing in my business. So those are some of the strategies you need to 
as business owners be looking at because that's one of the forecasts coming in as well. And don't forget that with COVID, especially if you have team members working with that because of the constant up, um, updates with the social distancing coming from the health sector, you, that impacts how many persons you might have on board at a particular time. It's gonna also impact how quickly certain jobs are done. So those are things that will impact how quickly your job is done, the cost, filtering back to your cash flow as well. So get in tune with what's happening in the wider environment so you're able to plan in your business strategically and properly. When it also comes to accounts receivable, a lot of persons, business owners, you are not looking at your reports. You don't even know who owes you and how long. I've, I've seen the horror stories I'm owed yes. for years. I didn't even realize. I can't believe this. I see it yes. so often. And it's sad. However, it shows that there's still a lot of work and education to be done. So be aware of your reports. If you don't understand, reach out for help. This person owes you this long. It's too long. I need to get into certain strategies to turn that around, phone calls and all that for sure. Yeah, getting on top of it, right? Getting on top of it. Are you seeing a lot of business owners actually um, charge or collect the interest rate that they, um, they, you know, it's usually in the, in the fine print for, you know, for accounts that are outstanding over 30 days, we charge 2% on that interest rate. Are you seeing business owners actually follow through and charge that as a way to try to get that money in? Or have they not been doing that through COVID? Oh, it's still not happening. No. It's still just there. What I see more often happening are the late fees being implemented. The okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I think it That's is important. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's important to, to kind of follow through on those terms that you've set, right? Or if you're not following through, it's because you're having the conversation with the client saying, listen, this is what we agreed to, but if you can get this in, we're gonna waive this fee, right? It gives you some leverage to, to actually try to get that money in, um, in a compassionate way, right? Sure, you know, because, everyone's exactly, businesses, I mean, we're all humans, behind every business, it's a real person. But also bear in mind that your financial systems need to be effective, need to have processes in your business that are working. For example, when it comes to accounts receivable, you sent an invoice out. Are you sure the company got it? There are times where you're sending it to an email, that email is no longer there, person's straight. So getting into just simple strategies like those, yes. you know, these are the yes. methods for payment. Does the client prefer those methods? How can we compromise? So getting into those areas impact how you're paid, right? Yes. Yeah. So important. And I think too, you know, as much as as much as many founders even dread the idea of selling, the idea of collection and getting that money in is probably, you know, just one step, um, uh, you know, further for them, like more, more worrisome or cumbersome, because it does mean that personal contact is saying, listen, this bill hasn't been paid. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's a real issue. And I did see a bit of that it, um, with COVID starting, they were afraid to reach out. And I was like, you know, the bigger companies, they were not afraid. <laughs> yes. They were still sending the utility bills. Yes. Amazon, you still have to pay. There's no credit yes. for Amazon, Walmart. So yes. It has to definitely go back to changing the culture of how yeah. we operate as business owners as well, too. Yeah, no, so, so, uh, so bang on there. I've even noticed that some of the credit card companies too have been increasing their interest rate, right? Because they, <laughs> people haven't been paying. And then as soon as you miss some payments, then they up their interest rate. And so, you know, the best in sectors, best in sector performers are actually driving this. This is, 
business is about money. We're not nonprofits. We're not charities. You know, we've got to make sure we get that cash in the door. Um, two last questions here for you. So are, what is your experience with um, white, is it called white labeling or in-house financing options? So for big purchase items, whether it's education or, you know, a, a $20,000 couch where you can get third parties to actually finance it, but it gets branded under your brand. So it looks like you're actually the financier. Have, have you, have you had much luck with that with clients or anything again, we need to watch for there? Yeah, again, it all depends. So one of the things to look out for there is definitely the agreement, you know, okay. the getting in, getting those legal eyes on the agreement. There are a lot of horror stories deals turn sour because those steps from the beginning weren't covered. So you want to make sure that when it comes to intellectual property trademarks, those aspects are covered appropriately. You want to also be clear on the quality because it's going on their white label. However, you know, you are the ultimate person they're seeing they're making that purchase from. So you want to ensure that quality is covered. It's, it's a profitable to you to go into this transaction in terms of what you're going to resell for as well. So those are definitely some of the things to look at. And it might not always be the cheaper option. I definitely always suggest looking at various alternatives and then, you know, make that decision. Is it the best option? Because sometimes it might appear, oh, it's a cheaper way, but then cost so much with all the steps to cover and double check and all that too. Okay. Okay. Great feedback. Okay. And my last question for you, I'm wrapping, I'm looking to wrap my head around this idea of the forecast. So the forecast, when we're on top of our numbers, we've got the, the portion that is uh, here's projected. And then we're merging the actuals with the projected, correct? Like it, it, yeah. it's a look at the two. So how do we then, because when we're doing the projected, kind of bear with me as I look to explain this, we've, we typically hold a benchmark for the cost of goods, right? We'll say, here's the income. Our average cost of goods on this product is 37%. So we're going to forecast that. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're spending that. Of, so let's say it's inventory, right? And we know that we're typically marking it up by X. And so we know that the cost of goods, but we're not going to be repurchasing inventory until maybe six months down the road. So it won't actually come out as a cost of goods in the month that we've planned it. It might come out four months after. So how, what is your recommendation? I'm just trying to figure this out to wrap my head around it. What's your recommendation between kind of merging those two dynamics together versus what we've planned for cost of goods, but what our actuals are, knowing that we're not going to be spending that money that month that we've planned on it? So there are lots of different angles to look at it from. So remember, okay. you made a budget, you made a plan, right? There's some, and it depends on what you choose to do in your business. There are pros and cons, different ways to manage it. So you made a budget. This is your budget. However, you can choose to say, I'm never ever gonna change that budget. I'm always just gonna say, this is the budget. I will just compare the actuals. This is my actual situation to budget. That is one scenario. When you get into forecasting now, you're going to say, okay, this is what my budget was. I did budget, let's say $10,000 for, for sales. However, based on halfway through the year, based on what I've actually gotten in for sales and what's left from the budget, it's not going to be 10000 It's more looking like 8000 So what you have to do there, you now have to merge those actual plus budgeted amounts, your forecast for the sales, 
and then you trend all the way down and update all those line items. That's what you're going to have to do. So you're going to have an updated cost of sales ratio, updated labor costs, updated expenses. So if you're going to take that approach, all areas, all the way down to profit, you're going to need to update that forecast. Some persons, depending on what's happening, you can just say, I'm just doing an updated sales forecast, or I'm just going to update just the expenses. I'm not going to do every single thing. So it all depends because remember, you can have your budgets for all different areas in your business. So depending on the volume of work that involved, and of course, does the benefit outweigh the cost of doing it too? That's another thing right. to look okay. at. This, will this really add value to our analysis? That's another thing to always bear in mind to decide if you go that route. But definitely, you'd have to update all the different line items, have an updated cost of goods sold, and that's going to be based on, again, merging actual plus budget to come up with that new ratio for cost of goods sold. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you for that, for, for giving us a little bit of uh, understanding there and some options on terms uh, in terms of how to deal with that. Well, thank you, Krisha. So appreciate your time today. I think that, you know, one of the big takeaways that I have had um, with respect to numbers over the years is that you, you never get it perfect. You never get it all figured out. It doesn't always line up. You never, all the answers just magically appear. There's some months where you did better than you thought you were going to do. And you, you know, you did your little victory dance, but I have noticed it is just small, consistent steps forward. Just, you know, sitting down with the budget, trying to figure it out, just setting that time aside, right? Every week is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. I mean, monthly if you can, but the more uncomfortable you are with it, probably the more often you need to sit down and just start getting yourself um, comfortable with even looking at the numbers. Yeah. Then and, and it's looking at growth. Growth is exciting. Like with my kids, what I used to do when they were one, I can't do it now that they're six, right? So in the same way, your business is growing. What you used to do when you were just having 100,000 in sales, you need a different system when you're at 5 million, 10 million, right? You yeah. need to look at your business like that because think about it's not only just your business operating in isolation, lives are being impacted, you know, why you started your business, you know, the future and you're making changes. So it deserves that respect, that effort. And I think a lot of times you just say, you, you keep putting it out thinking, okay, you know, but delay is cost, like, cleanup work is just so costly. If you're called for an audit, then you're, it's just going to be costly getting everything up to date. You miss yeah. opportunities, miss profits, right? If you're approached by an investor, you know, somebody wants to partner with you, how ready are you for that, right? Just looking at all those reasons why we need to pay attention to what's happening in our business as business owner. The large corporations are doing it. They're growing, they're successful. Why can't small and medium-sized organizations do it too? It's, it is possible. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember it reminds me of a saying, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so just, just do the numbers, just get comfortable getting uncomfortable and taking you know one step, putting it in front of the other and uh, and you will get there. Krisha, so appreciate your time. You are here. Your contact information is below for founders that don't know where to start. You're available to, to, to help support them. And again, you know, this is why we started the Gab Lab. It was about getting information out there. So just 
take that first step, start taking action with it. So appreciate you for being here, founders. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. However it is that you've chosen to chosen to, to tune in. And again, just a huge thank, uh, thank you and shout out to our episode champion today, Community Futures of Saskatchewan. They've got 13 offices across the province of Saskatchewan to help business owners in situations like this. If you don't know where to turn, reach out to them. They're there to help you build your business, to nail your numbers. Um, thank you all for listening and watching. Until we meet again in the Gab Lab, please stay safe, stay strong, and as always, stay financially fierce. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.